In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Tomorrow we commemorate Ash Wednesday. And with Ash Wednesday, of course, we begin the very holy and important season of Lent. So Lord Jesus, very much in your presence, we want to reflect and pray about Lent, the opportunity we have during these 40 days preparing for the Paschal Triduum, preparing for Holy Week and Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And if we go to Mass tomorrow on Ash Wednesday and receive those ashes, the priest will say one of two things. Either he'll say, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Or he'll say, repent and believe in the gospel. And that second phrase, repent and believe in the gospel, is a great way to think about the opportunity that we have in Lent, the opportunity of these 40 days. There are words, Lord, with which you begin your own public life of teaching and preaching. This is from the Gospel of, of Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying that time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the very first message of our Lord Jesus Christ in his public ministry. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so Lent is a call to action. It's a call to conversion. It's a call to a response a call to live a new life. And our Lord Jesus here, you, Lord, give this injunction, repent and believe in the gospel, precisely as a response to something new, to your presence. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Things have changed. I am here with you. A new way of life, a new way of being, a better way is present. The kingdom of God is at hand in my person, I am God among you. I am God with you, sharing the life of God with you. And the response to that, the response to your presence, Lord, is repent and believe in the gospel. Turn away from sins and believe in this good news. Believe that I am your Redeemer. Believe that I am your God. Believe in the way of life that I've come, that I've come to teach you. And so in Lent, we want to do precisely this. We want to respond to our Lord's presence in our life with repentance, turning away from sin, and with belief, with trust in the gospel, with trust in this new way that he's come to, that he's come to give us. St. Paul is a wonderful resource for Lent because so many of his letters are, are, all of his letters are full of passages like this, where St. Paul says, Christ has saved you. Christ is in your life. God is in your life. So change. 
that turn away from sin, turn away from selfishness, and let this new life that you have access to really fill you. Take steps in it. Take it seriously. This is from Romans 13. Besides this, you know what hour it is, how it is full time now for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. And so this is Lent for our soul. It's a wake-up call. This call to action, this call to rouse our spirit. It is full time now for you to wake from sleep because salvation is at hand. The mysteries of our redemption, of our salvation, are approaching. And then Paul goes on, Let us then, right, as a consequence of waking up, let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Coincidentally, this is the passage that's, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for St. Augustine in his conversion story. In the Confessions, he tells the story of being in this garden agonizing over whether he should convert and and be baptized. And he hears this voice. He says it was a child's voice. He wasn't sure if it was a a little girl or a little boy. And the voice, in kind of a sing-song way, is telling him, Tole et lege, tole et lege, take and read, take and read. And there's a copy of the New Testament there in this garden. And he opens it up randomly and this is the passage that he, this is the passage that he read. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day and not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify, to gratify its desires. And so this is the deep meaning of our Lenten penance, of denying our body, denying our whims, with fasting or with refraining from something that we usually enjoy. What's the deep meaning? Well, we we need to um, make no provision for the flesh so that our soul can wake up. St. Josemaria writes in the way, So you are bored? Naturally, if you keep your senses awake, and your soul asleep. This is what happens when we're unmortified. This is what happens when we're lukewarm or tepid. Our senses are awake. Our body is awake. We're very sensitive to the needs of our body. We give into it too much and our soul gets drugged. Our soul falls asleep. Our soul, our sensitivity to, to prayer, our sensitivity to charity gets numbed. We become desensitized to the things of God. And so Lent is this, Lent is this fantastic time of putting our body a little bit to sleep so that our soul can wake up. Writing to the Corinthians, St. Paul says something that also helps us to pray about Lent, to reflect on this opportunity. 
working together with him, then we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I have listened to you and helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. St. Paul says here, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Lord Jesus, you're giving me grace right now to trust you more. You're giving me grace right now to start Lent well. You're giving me the grace of the season. You're giving me the grace to pray better, to love others better. And I don't want to receive the grace of God in vain. I want to open myself to it. And then, like our Lord, in the, in the gospel we saw, right, that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's time. The time is full. Repent and believe in the gospel. St. Paul says, it's time. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's time. It's time to get moving. It's time to let God work more fully in our life. And so we should be excited. We should be excited for Lent. My soul, Lord, wants to receive this grace. My soul, Lord, wants to convert. My soul wants this call to action. My soul wants to respond to your call. Lord, help me to be excited for this 40 days of training, which is hard for my body, hard for my curiosity, hard for my laziness, but so good for my soul, which wants to be awake, which wants to be alive. I read somewhere, I can never find the reference. Maybe I heard it in a meditation like this one. But at some point, I heard the, I heard the phrase that mortifications are smelling salts for the soul. And if you've ever uh, actually used or smelled smelling salts, it's a very, it's a very powerful experience. This is strong odor of ammonia, which immediately, um, wakes you up. It's just very, very powerful um, sensation, which kind of is used to to snap people out of grogginess, to snap people out of sleepiness. Smelling salts for the soul is mortification. Lord, I need it. I need to deny myself so that my body, which is awake, can be put a little bit to sleep and my soul, which is asleep, can wake up. Now is the time for you to rise from your sleep. St. Paul writing to the Ephesians. There's so many wonderful passages in St. Paul. I mean, it would be great, it would be a great practice for Lent to pray with the letters of St. Paul. There are so many calls to conversion, so many calls to repentance. And calls to conversion and repentance not because just because we're bad and we're sinners and we need to make up for our sins, but as a result of this new reality in our life, this new life that's present in the person of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I want to repent. I want to change, not just to avoid bad things or to overcome negative things, but to respond to this wonderful, positive reality in my life, which is you, which is you, Lord, in the life that you are calling me to live. 
This is St. Paul writing to the Ephesians. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Lord, what a helpful idea, what a helpful thought. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That, Lord, you've sent your Spirit into my soul. The love of God, St. Paul says in Romans, has been poured into our hearts with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. The saints call the Holy Spirit the soul of the soul. But just as the soul gives life to the body, the Holy Spirit gives life to our soul, life to our supernatural life. And so the Holy Spirit wants to get busy in me. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in me. The Holy Spirit wants to get to work in me. And if I don't convert, if I don't turn away from sin and, and commit myself more strongly to prayer, more strongly to charity, what do I do? I grieve the Holy Spirit. I, I handcuff this powerful force that wants to be much more active in my life. I relegate to a, a, a corner, to a small space in my life, someone and something that, that wants to take over, that wants to be much more active. I grieve the Holy Spirit who wants to get to work. In a way, also, we can think of this as our own spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit. My own soul wants to be more active. My own soul wants to love more. My own soul wants a deeper interior life. It's like a dog that, that wants to get out and play and run around. And because its owner is lazy, it's cooped up in the house all day and perhaps in one of those cages that it has to, to sleep in. And how excited the dog is when when he hears the word walk, or the master goes and gets the leash and opens the door. And, and the dog reacts with joy and energy and enthusiasm for the exercise, the freedom that's about to come. Well, this is my spirit, Lord. You've given me a call to holiness. You've called me to yourself. You've called me to this new life in you, this new life in Christ. And Lent is a time not to grieve the Spirit, to let the Spirit run free by putting a little bit, putting to death the works of the works of the body. And this is a battle. This is a battle we have to fight. There's no, there's no other option. This is just a reality of our life, a reality of our spiritual life. St. Paul, once again, to the Galatians, But I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. 
for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. And so this is just a law of life. Because of original sin, there's a tension, there's a battle between our bodily desires and our will and our intellect. And it's a battle that has to be fought, and it's a battle that's fought with mortification, with self-denial. And this is something that the soul needs. In a way, if we live Lent well, if we pick out a few good mortifications to to um, deny ourselves, our soul will rest. It's like a vacation for our souls. Lent is a vacation for my soul. My soul needs a break from so much worldliness. My soul needs a break from so much self-gratification. Lord, I eat too much. Um, at least 20 pounds overweight, just to be honest here for a second. Lord, I eat too much. Lord, I rest too much. I give into love of comfort too much. Lord, I entertain myself too much. I look at too many silly, sometimes interesting, but unnecessary videos on YouTube. Lord, I'm on social media too much. I'm scrolling too much. Lord, I worry about myself too much. Lord, I spend too much money. And my soul, Lord, is tired. It's sunk down into this worldliness, into these habits of self-gratification, of laziness, sensuality. And so, Lord, I thank you for this discipline of Lent. It's like boot camp for the soul. It's like rehab for the soul. We're addicted to the world in so many ways. And so we need to detox. We need time away to form new and better habits. And so, Lord, I'm excited. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for Lent. Thank you for this opportunity. Help me to be excited for Lent. And perhaps some of us are not excited for Lent. We have to pray as we are. And we can tell our Lord, Lord, I'm not excited for Lent. I'm dreading it. I'm afraid of giving up this or that. I'm afraid of admitting my weakness. I'm afraid of fighting in this new way. Perhaps we're dreading Lent. We don't want it to start. We don't want it to be here. And in a way, if we dread it, well, that's a good sign. It's a good sign because it shows us that we really need it, that there's part of us that needs to convert. To the extent that we dread it, we realize, I need it more. Part of us needs to die. We need to fight this fight. To put to death the old man. St. Josemaria, in the way writing in the 1930s, wrote this point, which I think is helpful for Lent, especially for us in our, in our current, in our current times. Dissipation. You slake your senses and faculties in whatever pool you meet on the way. And you can feel the results. Unsettled purpose, scattered attention, deadened will, and quickened concupiscence. Subject yourself once again to a serious plan that will force you to lead a Christian life or you'll never do anything worthwhile. Dissipation. What is dissipation? Dissipation is the opposite of focus, of focused attention. 
So we're dissipated when our attention gets, gets spread out over a wide variety of things or spread out over things that are not very deep, that are superficial. And what causes dissipation? Curiosity, right? A lack of, a lack of mortifying our curiosity or mortifying our sight that we're looking around too much. We're being attracted by too many things. And so Saint Josemaria makes Saint Josemaria makes this connection. Dissipation. You slake your senses and faculties in whatever pool you meet on the way. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I need a break, so let's go read this thing or look at that thing or play this game. And when our attention is dissipated, what happens is we open up ourselves to greater temptations and and we lose spiritual energy. You can feel the results, unsettled purpose, scattered attention, deadened will, and quickened concupiscence. And I've always found this fascinating that St. Josemaria is writing this, this point in the way in the 1930s. In the 1930s, right? When there was, when there was certainly no TikTok, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was no internet. There was no cable TV. There was no TV at all. There was hardly even any radio in the 1930s. And so I've often wondered, well, what pools is he talking about where people would slake their senses and faculties, which would lead them into this dissipated state? I'm not sure. Maybe the daily newspaper, the weekly newspaper, advertisements on the street. I don't know. But there was something. And so if he needed to write this point in the 1930s to help people fight curiosity and dissipation, to help people mortify their senses, to be more capable of prayer, living in the presence of God, well, how much more do we need it now? In the 17th century, I don't know what they had back then. <laughs> I don't know what they had back then either. But in a way, it was the same problem. This is from The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Do not read to satisfy curiosity or merely to pass the time, but study such things as move your heart to devotion. If you avoid unnecessary talk and aimless visits, listening to news and gossip, you will find plenty of suitable time to spend in meditation unholy things. And so how many aimless visits do I have when I visit websites or I visit social media and how much unnecessary talk and comments and opinions, commentary and self-promotion <laughs> do I expose myself to on these, on these virtual visits, listening to news and gossip? And if I gave that up, Lord, for Lent, how much more time would I find to talk to you, to read good things, to pray, to be present to you. The greatest saints used to avoid the company of men whenever they were able and chose rather to serve God in solitude. A wise man once said, as often as I have been among men, I have returned home less of a man. He quotes Seneca there. We often share this experience when we spend too much time in conversation it is easier to keep silence altogether than not to talk more than we should 
it is easier to remain quietly at home than to keep due watch over ourselves in public. Therefore, whoever is resolved to live an inward and spiritual life must, with Jesus, withdraw from the crowds. And obviously, Lord, you want us in the world. You've called us to be in the world. You want us to to bring the world to you with our work and with our apostolate, friendship, our good example. But in order to do this, we need times in which we withdraw from the crowd, withdraw from the world, to be closer to you. And the gospel speaks of this way of the of the vocation of the apostles, that he um, Jesus calls the disciples to himself, and then from among the disciples. He calls the 12 apostles, and the gospel says, he calls the 12 apostles to be with him and to be sent out. An apostle precisely means one who's sent out. But to be sent out means to be sent out from somewhere. And that somewhere from which the apostles are sent out is union with our Lord, is intimacy with our Lord. And so our lives as Christians in the world is kind of like an accordion that that we're compressed close to Christ in our prayer, in times like Lent, in our presence of God, in our contemplative life, we're kind of compressed, we're in close with Christ, and then we expand back out into the world. It can't just be expansion, because that would be dissipation. And it can't just be compression, because that wouldn't be being leaven and, and being salt and being light in the world. We need both. This is also from the imitation of Christ. What can you see elsewhere that you cannot see here? Now, why do we look around so much? Look at the sky, the earth, and all the elements, for of these all things are made. What can you see anywhere under the sun that can endure for long? You hope perhaps to find complete satisfaction, but this you will never do. And so he's questioning here that, um, that desire for novelty that desire to see new things, giving into that itch of curiosity, which in our day and age comes with, or manifests itself in channel surfing or in surfing the web, scrolling through social media feeds. And he's saying, you know, what are you hoping to find there? Do you think you'll find satisfaction? Were you to see... Were you to see all things at present in existence spread out before your eyes, what would it be but an unprofitable vision? What a wonderful question, that if we could see everything, everything that there is to see in this world, would it really help us? We're made to see God. We'll only be happy when we see God, in this life and in heaven. Lift up your eyes to God on high, and beg forgiveness for your sin and neglectfulness. Leave empty matters to the empty-headed and give your attention to those things that God commands you. I remember this reminds me of a, of a cartoon that I saw once where it was just one panel and it showed a guy at a computer and um, he was very old and had like cobwebs all over him and the computer and there was, on the screen that he was watching, it said something like, the end of the internet. And the caption said, you know, after so many years, I can't remember the number, but after so many years, Harold finally reached the end of the internet. 
that he had surfed the entire web right? <laughs> and come to the very last web page that he could that he could uh, ever view. Now, of course, that's impossible. We would never get to the end of the internet. But what would it what would it uh, profit us if we did? If we could see all the web pages that there are, it wouldn't profit us, profit us anything, and a lot of it would hurt us, of course. Shut your door upon you and call upon Jesus, the beloved. Remain with him in your cell, for you will not find so great a peace anywhere else. Had you never gone out and listened to idle talk, you would the better have remained perfectly at peace. But if it pleases you to hear the news of the world, you will have much anxiety. Remain with him in your cell. Lord, obviously most of us don't have cells. We're not religious. But St. Josemaria said we need to be as contemplative as the most contemplative religious. And he would say very daringly, my cell is the street. Your cell is the street. Where you're close to God, where you're alone with God, is in the middle of the world. And St. Catherine of Siena said that each one of us has this inner sanctuary, this inner cell in our soul where God dwells and where we can turn to him at any moment and dwell with him and give him our attention and give him our love. So Lord, help me to find how to mortify myself this Lent. Do I need to mortify food? Do I need to mortify curiosity? Do I need to make better use of my time? Do I need to find more time for prayer? Do I need a combination of all of these things? Lord, help me to be generous in making the changes I need to repent and believe in the gospel, to turn away from sin, to turn away from the body, to give the soul a break, to let the soul run and thrive and play and delight, delight in you and delight in charity, delight in serving others. We go to Our Lady at the end of Lent. We'll find Our Lady at the foot of the cross. And Our Lady could only be at the foot of the cross because she had practiced, she had trained herself many times throughout her life to deny herself things that were unessential, to focus, to focus on what was necessary, loving God's plan, doing God's will, loving God above all things. And that habitual training of Our Lady, let her stand at the foot of the cross, let her pass that supreme test of her love. And so we go to her, Our Lady, Our Mother, help us to embrace and be excited for and make good resolutions this Lent. So like you, when the test comes of Good Friday, will be able to say yes to God's plan for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.